Welcome everybody to week two of the Compound Trading Podcast. Thanks for checking back in with us. This week we are back at it with Kurt, diving deeper into the world of algos. We're going to touch on where he thinks that world of algos are going, how we can leverage this to our benefit, and how we can take part in the wealth transfer that is going on right now. I have listened to this conversation probably three or four times myself, and each time I have picked up different information and different nuggets that I can use in my own trading. So I think you guys are going to like this quite a bit. So switching gears, if you have some time, I'd like to kind of jump into kind of the algo side of things. Sure. Okay, perfect. So in episode one, we talked about the kind of general, the swing trading side in the chat room and the day trading. Um, But the second part of compound trading after you kind of succeeded and started that chat room is you are now designing and marketing some of the algorithms. Correct. And, you know, I kind of a curiosity question, I suppose, for a lot of us is, you know, what made you as a trader, you know, we're now, you know, you're 30 years into your trading career. What made you say now is the time to not only start an algorithm, but dump all this money and all this time and effort? Because it's not like, hey, I want to start an algo. I'll have a new one on my desk tomorrow. Right. Right. What, yeah. what made you say we need to get this going now and I'm going to I'm going to make it happen however need be? Well, I think the first thing to identify is that uh, when when we use the word algorithm, uh, there's a couple things to to clarify. One is that, uh, you know, a lot of the traders are familiar with these high frequency algorithms, especially for uh, currencies that are marketed out there for three hundred dollars or six hundred dollars and you know you give us some of your money and we trade it and and uh, the money disappears mm-hmm. uh, I mean that's rampant in the market this is not what we do the other thing to understand is that the the most successful algorithms and the most successful algorithmic traders and investment funds that are trading them are using algorithms that have been developed over a process and a series of years and not days or weeks that were just coded you know by a python you know (laughs) guy in his basement right (laughs) so there's a process and it's a large process it's uh it's costly it's time you know involved it requires a lot of testing and so the first phase of that is modeling so how did I actually get there I knew and I had been doing a lot of study because of course I had blown my counts up and I thought well you know I can't uh, make this mistake again and how are these people doing this I had read some articles you know and done some research and found out that some of these funds were making astronomical returns, you know, in the thousands of percent, and bonafide, you know, verified. Then I figured out that some of these, you know, fellows that were designing them and and, and putting them to uh, market, at least at the institutional level, um, had gone from, you know, uh, fairly well-off people to some of the most well-off in the world. And I thought, well, you know, that's really fast. You know, that's not that's not the way I grew up in business. So. Then I realized, okay, you know, actually there are things like oil that are trading inside of models. So I I went about to prove it. So Epic, you know, the end result with Epic is that we have some of the, you know, literally some of the, well, I I won't even say some, the most uh, successful funds ever on planet Earth using it. 
And it's just not simple. Interesting, because as a trader, you know who the Ken Griffiths are, you know who Renaissance, Ray Dalio, you know those names, right? But you say, hey, they have algos. Obviously, you know that algos are the majority of trading in the market. And I think the last stat that I heard was 90% of all trading in the NYSE is algo-derived. But the algo that you are talking about isn't what we would think of when we think of a high-frequency trading type algo. So right. really, this algo that you kind of set out or did derive was kind of an intelligent assistant, I guess, to put a kind of phrase on it. Is that kind of what you wanted to have, or is that just what you came up with when you thought about let's make this the most optimal situation that we can? Through the development process, that is a phase. So in other words, when you – well, let's take the most successful that I know about in the marketplace. They have hundreds of data uh, scientists and developers mm -hmm. at their disposal, if not thousands of them. And the process that they go through is exactly the process that we're using. So <clears throat> what they do is they model it on a two-dimensional chart, and they represent it on the chart in the most um, simple-to-use logical way for their traders to test it. And once it tests well, and once the model is clean on the chart and easily used, and the, the traders have proven it out, and trade has proven it out, then they go to the coding phase. And after it goes to the coding phase, they have a couple of options. They can use it then as what's called an intelligent assistant, or as a high-frequency trading algorithm. Now, what we're seeing as retail traders in the marketplace is not that. What we're seeing is somebody off in you know, whatever land in a basement that used Python to launch their own little algo and charge you know, $300 a month or whatever for. And I mean, there's some, there's some more sizable businesses. But when you look at the real successful folks uh, in the big funds that have hundreds of data scientists, web developers, people coding, they're using exactly the same process that we're using okay. at the end of the day. And so will we ever go there to the high frequency side? That would be the last step. And if we get there, we get there. Okay. So that is a potential in the future, but not really what you would classify as your MO or what you think is even right. best at this point. Okay. Right. That's what we hear a lot as traders, you know, whether we see drastic moves one way or the other, or we just say, hey, it's algos, right? And that's kind of what we label it. If we don't understand what happened in the market today, so it's probably algos, right? That's what right. a lot of people say. That's kind of the, uh, the easy tinfoil hat to say, oh, man, you know, I didn't trade very well. It's probably the algos or whatever it is. Have you seen that changing more and more over the past you know, four, five, ten years to this point? Did you kind of see a shift that you got you going that direction saying, hey, I need oh, yeah. to get on this you know, now before it's too late, basically? Day-to-day -day with us dealing with the institutional side, what it looks like is they approach us and they say, we have our models and we've, you know, we've been looking at yours and we would like our traders to test yours. And that's how it works with them internally. So mm -hmm. the majority of the trading actually isn't high frequency. The high frequency side is a completely different discipline for the most part because they're taking advantage of things that we're not talking about. Sure. So really, in a lot of these funds, what it is, is it's actually traders that are using intelligent assistance of one type or another, call it a two-dimensional chart like Epics, and they're trading for the fund. And so when people see those huge shifts, mm -hmm. sure, that can be machines, but quite often that's traders like you and I, but they're trading for an institutional environment using these models or some form of the model, right? So, you know, the next stage beyond the two-dimensional chart is it gets coded as a digital platform 
that becomes an intelligent assistant, but it's still executed by the human trader, and that's a large part of it. Interesting. So there still is that human component. Oh, yeah. Do you see that changing in the future as AI becomes more advanced? And you, you know, said that's some right. of these funds have, you know, we're talking hundreds or thousands of very, very well-paid PhDs, right? That's Des right. Designing these probably more brain. And that's who. That's who we're competing with. Exactly. And that's, there's probably more brain power in these funds than looking to cure Massive. cancer, looking to send a rocket to Mars, right? Because this is where the money is. So, Well, when they – exactly. When they, sorry to interrupt you, but when they first started coming to us, my first response to Sartash, for example, was these people run risk scenarios that are more significant than governments. Mm -hmm. This is not – we're not dealing with – like you look at some of these funds and they're, they're dealing with capital T's, not B's, right? Those are significant enterprises. So that's exactly it. So now the question is where does it go from here, right? Because so much of that liquidity is moving through these models, whether it's high frequency or not. It's still liquidity moving through those models. So where does that actually go, right? What does that – when they're in their boardrooms and they're discussing this with their development teams and their development teams are looking at the marketplace and assessing what's happening, what do their risk models say? Mm -hmm. I'll tell you, the, the curve isn't very far. It's – you know, our best estimates are six years. Wow. And now, the smaller the, the smaller the equity, the less liquidity in the equity. You know, you've got companies on the markets. Like sometimes I get nervous because they're dealing with figures much less than what I deal with in sure. private enterprise, right? And I'm looking at it going, I'm actually thinking about trading this. <laughs> uh, you know, for me, that's uh, you know that's pretty risky stuff, right? But anyway, when you get down to those those environments. The anomalies are huge, mm -hmm. so that's not algorithmic trading. That just is simply not it. Now, we do have algorithms we're developing specifically for day trading or specifically for swing trading or you know those type of environments, but that's not where the big models, call them modelers, the big funds focus because they can't trade them. It's not possible, right? They, they're in oil and they're in currencies and, and big stocks. So would you say that you are kind of developing and looking to, to come up with some, some modeling and charting with traditional swing traders? What will that look like? You know, Because a lot of us are maybe vaguely familiar with what an algorithm is. Is that just going to be looking at more reference points than I would think a traditional chartist is going to use, whether that's MAs or FIBs or what have you? Are we just thinking we're going to expand upon that to help the traditional swing trading kind of platform? Or is that going to get even more in-depth with the modeling and use it as a kind of a GPS approach? So what happens is in each equity, so that's what we're teaching in the master class. So that process, taking simple uh, Fibonacci um, retracements and building out, I call it Fibonacci on steroids, right? And building out the models based on that and the rest of the indicators that would most highly affect the price of that equity get built into an actual intelligent assistant or a high-frequency algo. Now, what does that specifically mean? In the case of EPIC, for example, that algo, it's represented right now on a two-dimensional chart. That will change soon, and it becomes digital, right? But for day trading, for swing trading, what will that actually look like? That'll look like a two-dimensional chart, same process. Mm -hmm. Two-dimensional chart for that specific equity or, you know, whatever it is, you know, whether it's a currency or whatever. But in day trading and swing trading, it's equities. We are also working on, though, just like your trading process, right? There's different trading processes, so there's different opportunities to build intelligent assistance for those trading processes. 
And that's where we're going now. So, you know, digital dashboard, right? Uh, the same way that you have, you use, uh, say, trading software like TradingView, and there's certain things that that dashboard gives you, that two-dimensional dashboard. That's what I'm talking about. So, you know, a two-dimensional dashboard that gives you certain indications that you should you should be buying or selling. That's more than just what you would see on TradingView. Interesting. So basically the ability to process much more data than That's we right. are as human traders willing and able to wrap our head around is essentially what this is working. Right. And, and when you watch CNBC, for example, and you see those traders start talking about the intelligent assistance that they're using, that's what they're using. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. And that, that does kind of put it in perspective because, like I said, I'm like most traders, I assume, who know what an algo is, know what a logarithm is, doesn't really understand the mechanics. But obviously, you know, if you're using TradingView, like you said, or one of the many platforms out there, you have not only the the MACDs and the RSIs and that kind of stuff, but you have awesome oscillators and squeeze momentum indicators and that kind of stuff. So really, right. we're looking to kind of take that to the next level. That's right. And okay, that, that certainly makes sense. So that kind of lets us know what's go coming on the swing trading side, which is probably applicable to you know a lot of traders. And you mentioned the oil algo, which with, you know, again, a 97% hit rate, you using that as an intelligent assistant. What else is, I guess, Compound working on as far as further algo development, either in the testing phase or the development phase that's coming down the pike here? Well, we've got six available right now. Epic, the oil algo, is first, first along and most developed. It's ready for coding now. It's been tested. Next in behind it is gold. It's in its third fourth generation it's you know a month or two ish away from being ready for coding uh silver is right in behind it the u.s dollar is in second gen so it's more like four months out and, uh, our s p is complicated <laughs> and i don't know if we'll ever be able to code it so right now it's you know it's it is what it is it's in its first gen and i don't know if it'll ever get out of there so you know it's significantly less expensive than epic for example and then volatility was the sixth and uh, volatility we don't think we're ever going to get that one done now those are the ones that are uh, available right now now you know what does volatility give the subscriber then it's more conventional charting and they're happy with that because it's very it's tiny cost relative to say epic right sure. and we're working on 32 others like those then we're also working on the day trading and the swing trading ones. Okay, and one thing that I've you know I've heard you guys tickle out there and post a little bit on, I know that you guys, and you obviously didn't mention it as being ready, but obviously right now, anything crypto is mm -hmm. crazy hot and crazy popular. A Bitcoin logarithm, is that even possible, do you think? Is that something that you might be interested in, or is that something that just kind of like volatility, because of all the crazy swings, it might just not be able to be done with as much uh, precision as you would hope? Well, I'm, I actually have a lot of confidence in it. I've been, it's testing well. We have a lot of hope for it, because it is testing well. It launches September 1st. I held it off intentionally because I was struggling, maybe it's my age, but I was struggling with the idea that, um, you know, it's it's uh, air, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it's not gold, and it could be shut off. That really bothered me. But it seems that uh, the crypto environment's getting too far along for, you know, the governments to just start shutting it off. So I'm on this side of, okay, well, let's, you know, let's take it one step at a time and let's see how it does. Let's see how it tests. But behind the scenes right now, it's testing well. And I think it's going to be on the level, you know, 
uh, not very far away, three months, and it's on Apex level. It's that close. Wow, that's impressive. And that's, that's funny. You know, you use Bitcoin and a lot of the cryptos, you know, they're, they're kind of air, right? Where right. as a traditional trader, someone like myself who has been around the block a time or two, kind of that, you look at things very skeptically, right? Uh, sure. And that is kind of kind of the approach that I took as well. But, you know, the, the further you step back, when you take a look at gold, you know, gold's a shiny rock. Right, and it's a shiny rock that we've had for forever, but it's still a shiny rock. So, uh, and what are we really trading? Really, you know, are we really trading gold? Exactly, you're trading paper that someone says somewhere maybe one track, one contract of GCs, a uh, hundred troy ounces. Can right. I can I take delivery on those? I don't I don't think I can. Right. So, um, when was when was the last time we seen the gold? Exactly. Right. Yeah, it's in a vault somewhere in London, maybe, or under New York, or who knows where. But allegedly, it's somewhere. So does does that? Do you guys take that into account? Do you look at you know the liquidity of a market and work backwards with an algo? Say we're going to focus on these markets because they are liquid enough for our product to actually work. Or is it something right. where you just identify something that you want to go after and then see if the liquidity is enough once you start coding things? Well, it's interesting because you know what's happened to us recently is we've we've started that private fund too, right? Mm-hmm. So we've learned a lot over the last three or four months. We've had you know three, four, five months, I guess, where you know the institutional folks started coming, and you know then the private fund started. And what we've learned in that process is is how they're functioning too, right? And the limitations that you have, for example, limitations you have even going back to the compound trading effect. You know, for example, if I move into like we can take it right down to the day trading level for a second. If I move into, you know, a Momo Momo stock in the morning and it's got 100,000 shares traded at three dollars and 40 cents and I'm trading not only for my own account, forget my own account. I'm trading now for a private fund and I move into something that's got, you know, three hundred and forty thousand dollars worth of liquidity moving through it. You see the problem, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the same problem that uh, these these large funds, you know, the Black Rocks, et cetera, are, are dealing with. So exactly, that's that's the issue. So you know, what do you end up in? You end up in oil, gold, silver, you know, your commodities, and now your your uh, cryptos and your currencies and your big stocks. That's really interesting, and I'm going to kind of shift a half of a gear here. And you said, you know, a lot of the, you know, the big funds, your fund, the Black Rocks, whoever, the big hedge fund, you know, they're not really looking at a lot of these smaller stocks, right? And right now, Correct. We're, we've seen, you know, record low volatilities on a closing basis, on a week basis. We're seeing super, super low movement in, you know, the ES, the NQ, the, the, the greater market equities. Do you think that is in part because we now have so much wealth built up that some of these big funds just cannot survive trading the equities just because there's too much money and they just can't scale in and out so they're going to the forex and the commodities do you think that's pushing some of the big money where they wouldn't necessarily rather be i think what you're seeing right now is a significant wealth transfer for sure and i don't think it's in the news yet so you know that's a big open door there but um you know what we're seeing you know that's not necessarily publicized is is that because of the sophistication of these larger pools and uh, the way that the money's moving more and more of that win side of the column is going into fewer and fewer pockets for sure 
and is that just is that just going to continue to speed up as things become more sophisticated? Uh, we're obviously going to reach a point where even if the average trader or average you know layperson, let's not even just boil it down to traders, if they want to get involved with something like that, I mean, they we're going to get to a point where the barriers to entry are so high that it's just right. not going to be feasible. For is that is that a correct assumption on my end to say, hey, we're going to get to a point where that just isn't going to work for most people? So you're you're ringing a bell, you know, that's kind that's close to my heart, right? Because that's the concern. You know, I'm not the only one with that concern. You know, you talk to anyone, you know, put it as simple as this, you know, a, a large hedge fund or a large fund that's managing billions or even into the trillions now, their their risk assessment, I can guarantee you is a process of, you know, where how far are we out? Because that final chapter, that Canisian handbook that Granny Yellen reads from, it doesn't have a chapter for this. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't. You know, you've got – just a couple of quick examples. You've got, you know, Japan's central bank in derivatives. Mm -hmm. You've got, for the first time in history, um, the American Federal Reserve in 2009, everything changed. And now they're in and out of equities. They're never supposed to be there. And you've got significant funds with significant enterprises that have brain power like we were talking. And they're no fool around. And at the end of that process, you know, that's why the Federal Reserve is petitioning the government mm -hmm. to, to limit algorithmic trading. Because the end of that chapter, there they, there's a chapter coming that's not in that book. And it's not far away. And so, yes, that's the problem. So then you can actually take it one step further and say, okay, so so this nut bar, you know, this Melanopoly guy, why, why you know, my, myself, for those that don't know, why would he then, right on the front of his website, say he's developing this for the common trader, right? And then you can take it one step further and say, well, does the common trader even want it or realize they need it? And that's the interesting dilemma we're in because we've got, you know, on the one side, we've got the institutional side and we've got the private fund and they're at our doorstep and quite literally a waiting list. Mm -hmm. But on the retail side, the retail side, you know, I, I don't think they quite understand what's coming. Funny. Yeah. And, you know, the last statistic that I heard, and I didn't fact check this myself, but it was Bank of Japan owns 70 percent of all Japanese yeah so really this is just manipulation like you said on a scale we haven't seen so are, are we financial gonna, engineering it's it's pretty insane are we gonna reach a point really where there is no genuine price discovery and we just kind of keep floating right. along I mean that's got to be the end game here right if, if it's going to be that manipulated by central banks we're gonna get to a point where things just can't correct right? okay so you, you know I'll go there real quick I'll tell you you know and I've been saying it for a, for a number of months if not well more than a year on my social feeds right and i and people people even message me and i've had even people crying you know uh, don't talk like that but you look at the history you know of of mankind you look at the economic systems and i don't think it takes a rocket scientist to figure out that if their model that they're reading from the the manual doesn't have this chapter in it that they're they're entering a place that is uh, difficult for them. I'm talking about the central bankers, right? So if this is now uncharted territory coming, then you got to wonder, because in the past, there was always an ivory tower big enough to stay away from the serfs. This is the first time in history that you have the social media and you have the, you know, like look at the Arab uprising, what happened there. 
you know, it was so simple in my mind to say, you know, there's a there's a high probability Trump could maybe win this election, people, because, you know, what happened in the Arab uprising, right? Or Brexit or whatever else, right? It's- exactly. All of it, right? The whole movement of, so, of social movement and the way, you know, globalization and the way that people are thinking and, and everything else. So it's the first time in history they can't actually – there's no ivory tower tall enough. There's no castle strong enough. It's the first time in history that they're in that position, and I'm talking about the elite of the elite, right? So in past, they were always able to get to that ivory tower and behind those castle walls, and that's just simple history. That's not me, you know, speculating. Mm -hmm. Now, what happens the next time? So are they waiting for Elon? (laughs) (laughs) Are they waiting for Mars? He's going to take them to the Matrix, you know? (laughs) (laughs) You see where I'm going? Like, what are they actually – so what's the end game? Because – at the end of that six-year, you know, and that's not a very long cycle. Mm-hmm. At at the end of that six-year cycle, where we think, you know, that end game is fully in play, and that might last 15 years. Mm-hmm. I mean, how are they going to, even if the Fed, Federal Reserve, got the American government to say, okay, we, you know, we're going to outlaw algorithmic trading, right? How are they going to stop that? Exactly. You know, okay, now it's outlawed. Oh yeah. So the guys <laughs> in Mogadishu, right? I mean, you should see where some of the funds that use our models come from. You know, it's not like downtown New York, all of them, right? Sure, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's really interesting. At the end of the day, though, I, you know, my hope was to, uh, to do my best to bring that to to the market, and you can quote unquote, you know, Uber model, right? Sure. That was my goal. So, but we'll see. So the end game here, obviously, is to make it widely available. And now, I guess, is your vision. You know, we're kind of talking longer term here, six to ten years out. Are we saying if we do democratize these models and these algos, is that going to make it play or a fair playing field for the majority of traders who want to be involved with that? Or is that just going to say, hey, because now everybody has their hands on these models, we're going to have to go to the next step and whatever that might be ten years down the well, road? Well, it's the same thinking of, as uh, Elon Musk. If you look and you know pop the hood on his thinking – he, he, you know, he's he's got a project uh, specifically to make sure that AI lands in the hands of the average person. Mm-hmm. That's his thinking, right? And he's invested intensely in, with no expectation of return in that happening. And his thinking is, if everybody has it, then that end game is changed. Sure. Interesting. So. I think you can understand why the nature of my dilemma, when maybe the average trader doesn't completely understand what is very likely to come soon. So, you know, I'm now selling it to them, mm-hmm. right? And then on the other side, I've got the largest funds in the world that have me like, you know, would be best classified as, you know, alien abductions. And let's 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 take a look at what makes these people tick. Uh-huh. So that's an interesting point because you said, you know, a lot of people, even if you're staring them in the face and saying, hey, you guys need this, how, as a trader who has never used an algo, how can I get involved and say, you know, I'm going to kind of dip my toes in the water here when I should be jumping head first, but how do I kind of get up to speed, right? If I, right. I don't really, do I, I don't know how to download an algo and sync it up with a trading system. How do I use that? And how do I make that in a kind of a bite-sized chunk so I can even right. start heading the right direction because you know basically a lot of trainers like myself we think we're very advanced dealing with whatever software that we have or whatever charting methods but when it comes to actually staying ahead of the game and, and going this direction we're in the stone ages so how do we get headed the right right direction here 
Right. So early on, I just started, you know, throwing everything out that I was doing transparently online, right? Mm-hmm. So I guess that gives uh, that gives an unusual access to the process to the average trader because they can they could even go back, you know, to the beginning of my tweets, you know, whatever it was, 14 months ago. The whole process has been absolutely transparent. Now, you know, there's more data and there's there's more time under the bridge here and water under the bridge. And so they can go to our website and see the story. But the simplest way would be to literally, well, they can even go to the blog and see the old uh, algorithm newsletter posts, you know. So Epic comes in the form of a newsletter. They all come in the form of a newsletter and charting, right? So it's just learning the charting, how to how to trade that charting model, and that's all it is. So basically shifting our thinking from trading an MA or a FIB to then trading within the confines of the model, which basically exactly. produces a new trading edge saying, hey, trade from here to here, as you would call it, the width of the model, instead That's of right. I'm going to trade you know, based off of my old school traditional charting methods. And every single trader that ends up in, for example, Epic's model after a period of time says, you know what, I can't trade oil without it now because I've, I now realize that oil doesn't trade on MAs, for example. It actually trades on these things called quadrants. Yes, it does. And those are, you know, support and resistance walls. And it's simple. You know, it gets to the edge of that quadrant. Is that, you know, is that, is the trade now going through it or is it staying inside? Okay, it's staying inside. So now you're short. Oh, it's going through it and up. Now you go long. It's that simple. <laughs> that, that's funny that you say it's that simple because it really is. I mean, when you, when you don't know anything about this, right, you kind of build up these grandiose visions in your head saying, I'm not sophisticated enough. I can't code an algo. Therefore, I can't trade one, right? But if right. it really is that simple, then there's no reason not to at least give it a try if that's where everything is going. Yeah, and then we've uh, actually coupled uh, the alerts to them so people can, uh, you know, our members can see how I'm trading it. But then, you know, the next step forward from that is a lot of people will say, well, why aren't you taking every trade? Well, because I'm human and I just don't take every trade because it's always there for me. Sure. And then are you, are you producing? So we, we talked about the, the six major algos that you have to market, basically five, because VIX is a little bit uh, tricky, as you mentioned. <laughs> and then, you know, the SPY is also. Are, are you producing alerts for all of those or only oil that you've mentioned? So right now, oil, we are just starting with gold. And then the next one is going to be crypto. And by Christmas, so we have a a development cycle or schedule that by January 1, we want all the ones that are, you know, developed and launched to be at that status. But with the exception, so we're actually talking about seven there because of the crypto, with the exception of VIX and the S&P, we don't know if we're going to end up with alerts on those. Okay. Uh, but that, that does make it a lot more digestible. You know, we've talked about the trading psychology and we've talked about, you know, how to wrap our head around the algo, but that doesn't make it any less daunting starting out saying, hey, I have this chart that I don't really understand. I watched some YouTube videos. Now what do I right. do? But having someone to kind of follow and, and work the basics definitely does make it, you know, much, uh, much calmer trying to start that, especially if you're going to couple that with, a, a, as you may suggest, maybe a paper trading period or something like that to get totally comfortable with the model. Is that... And there's, yeah, and there's also, you know, there's videos that we've produced, you know, how to use in different scenarios. And then there's also communication with me directly. You know, I'm thinking this way. What do you think? Then there's communication with our other traders in the oil trading room or on the free, uh, on Discord, for example, we have the public side and then we have the, you know, the member side. 
and so they can communicate in there too. Okay, so not not to uh, have everybody blowing up your inbox, but they can reach out to you if they are an Algo subscriber and they say, Always. "Hey, you know, I'm a little little confused here." Even even non-subscribers, I have uh, a mandate to get back to every single inquiry, DM, email, it doesn't matter what it is. You know, sometimes it's not daily, but I actually endeavor to do that within 24 hours with anybody. <laughs> That's impressive. That makes me chuckle because I have quite the long list of unread emails in my inbox that I should probably <laughs> get to. <laughs> so that's impressive. That is definitely impressive. All night, yeah. Yeah, yeah all night. You've, uh, you need a coffee sponsor, I think, is what I'm learning through this conversation. Yeah, so if anybody yeah out you're there, right. Anybody out there is listening works for a Red Bull and or a coffee plantation, maybe, uh, cool. <laughs> maybe hit the DM box on that. So I, I think we've covered a lot of ground here. Is there anything that I haven't asked no. or brought up that really you think is imperative? Nope. Fantastic. You've done a great job. Perfect. I, I think we're going to obviously check in with you. You know, you mentioned the Compound Trading website and the blog, so people can stay up to date with these things, even if they're not a paying member. They can still check out the videos and kind of stay up to date with the direction that you guys are headed. Is that right? Correct, and I would highly encourage people to our social networks. My my personal feed might be a little too noisy, but you could always, you know, sit on the the algos have their own feeds, and Compound Trading does too. Okay, and like I said earlier, we'll link all that in the description of this podcast, so I will make it easier for you guys just to click and add those. So with that, thanks again for the time. Like I said, we're definitely going to be checking in in the future, um, but you've definitely given me a lot to think about, and I had a great time with this conversation because I was, frankly, pretty curious about some of this stuff. Um, that I wasn't intimately familiar with, and you definitely uh, helped me digest it a little bit more. Excellent. Thanks for having me, Matt. Hey, my pleasure. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye. Hope you guys enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. We are back at you next week with an interview with a trader that has been using some of our systems and some of his own to generate some pretty impressive results. Until next time, happy trading. Thank <laughs> you.